Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of you in our digital health community, wherever you are listening in the world, and welcome to the HitLab Digital Health Podcast. My name is Jerry Antimano. I am the Community Development Manager at HitLab, and today we bring you an interview from one of our Women's Health Tech Wednesday events. Every Wednesday, we have a fireside chat where we interview different female leaders in the healthcare industry, dive into their experience and story, and hear about insights they might have with any number of current healthcare topics. In this particular episode, our host Nina Joshi from Kaiser Permanente interviewed Ebony Dashiell Arjay, Senior Director of Patient Engagement and Outcomes Research at Biomarin. They discussed digital health technology data advancement, implementation, and clinical trials. So let's have a listen to when Nina met Ebony. Dr. Ebony, thank you so much for being here. Hello, it's great to be here today. So, so excited. Um, I think a great way for uh, us to kind of kick off the discussion is if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and your journey into the healthcare space. Yeah, um, my journey into the healthcare space began with a very personal desire to improve mental health. Mm-hmm. And the well-being of individuals beginning in middle childhood. You know, I took this passion and I obtained a PhD in human development with a concentration in developmental science. And in grad school, I gained core skills in measurement science, that is, exploring how do you measure what you're trying to measure in the most reliable and valid way. And I then became intrigued by the intersection between qualitative and quantitative methodology to help explore the depth of the human experience, particularly as it related to childhood development outcomes. And at that time, you know, my scope was limited to the assessment of childhood maladaptive behaviors, including internalizing problems like depression and anxiety, externalizing problems like aggressive behaviors, and the role a person's ecosystem, particularly the family unit and social engagement, um, played in determining health outcomes. And you know, my training in measurement science actually served as the greatest foundation for my career in outcomes research, which is where I am now. You know, after grad school, I joined a consulting firm where I led the design and execution of qualitative and quantitative studies for mm-hmm. biopharmaceutical companies to explore concepts around like unmet need, burden of illness, And I developed clinical outcome assessment tools to better understand how patients are feeling and functioning in their daily lives. And this is where I was trained to optimize clinical outcome assessment measurement approaches within the context of clinical trials Mm -hmm. to support endpoints assessing the efficacy and um, safety of novel treatments. And then my career expanded into the regulatory space um, as I joined FDA and Mm -hmm. served in the Division of Clinical Outcome Assessment in the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research. Um, There I acted as an internal consultant across all of the review divisions and centers. And I was fortunate to also contribute significantly to policy, advancing patient-focused drug development more broadly as a lead author on three of the four methodological guidances. And now, you know, I'm at Bomberin 
a rare disease biotech company that's dedicated to the development of medicines for rare genetic conditions. And I'm currently the head of the Regulatory Patient Engagement and Outcomes Research Group in Regulatory Affairs. And my team is focused on generating patient experience data to inform regulatory decision-making to bring the patient voice to the forefront of medical product development. And this includes developing clinical outcome assessment strategy and also optimizing the use of digital health technology in our trials. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is such an illustrious and expansive career. That's incredible um, to kind of, you know, start in an area that is, you know, more focused, but still very, very, you know, important, um, you know, within the mental health space and then kind of expanding it to really think about technology and, you know, regulatory matters kind of on a broader level. So that um, sounds absolutely amazing. <laughs> um, you know, kind of touching, would love to touch on, you know, maybe some of the work that you do now and some of the work that you've done as it relates to like regulatory and, and policies. Um, would love to kind of learn a little bit more about, you know, what is the role of digital health technology within medical product development? And can you share any examples of, you know, some of the opportunities that you've seen, but also some of the barriers that you've seen, you know, when it comes to adoption in that space? Yeah, you know, digital health technology is playing an increasingly important role in medical product development as it can be used to help increase measurement precision. And it also allows to collect data that we could otherwise not be able to generate in the context of the clinic. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, for instance, using questionnaires or diagnostic assessments. And we're able to both actively and passively generate data in real world settings with digital health technology. And we can also generate these data in real time, you know, right. which is definitely different from how things were in the past. It's also proven to help us, um, you know, generate personalized medicine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, through digital health technology, we have developed data collection methods that will allow for increased patient access to studies and improving convenience for patients to participate in our research. Mm -hmm. And in terms of like advantages and, and barriers, you know, there are many advantages to the application of digital health technologies in healthcare and research. For instance, it helps reduce inefficiencies in research right. practice as well as medicines development. Um, it serves to improve access for patients, as I mentioned before, enabling you know, the adoption of decentralized data collection and monitoring through digital health, that reduces patient burden overall. Mm -hmm. uh, it can help reduce costs as well, you know, streamlining the need for various data generation and archiving platforms and more, you know, centralizing and, and optimizing data collection methods. Mm -hmm. It also can, over time, while the upfront costs may be great, um, okay. you know, it can definitely over time save um, in terms of costs for the business uh, investment. And ultimately, you know, because of the automated nature of digital health technology data, you know, it helps to increase data quality and potentially data integrity, um, removing much of the human error that can right. be introduced in measurement when you're thinking about those manually um, administered tools that, that we're used to using. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just as much as, as we see endless opportunities, you know, in the future and currently for digital health, there are many barriers to adoption that we have to acknowledge. You know, for instance, the development of fit for purpose tools 
is an arduous process. It's multi-staged. You know, there is there are requirements um, from regulators as well as just technical and content validation requirements that are necessary to make sure that tools that are being adopted and used are truly fit for purpose. Um, right. And you know, digital health technology implementation is also a struggle for some, mm-hmm. as the tools are novel. You know, for for a lot of our research teams, um, and this is sometimes the first foray into this space for a lot of our our key researchers. And this is particularly true in the decentralized model, you know, with COVID-19 and needing to pivot um, on a dime to to adopt more remote uh, data capture methods. Mm -hmm. A lot of site staff as well as different research institutions may not have familiarity with how best to implement digital technologies, you know, and um, so there, there's a requirement for appropriate expertise mm-hmm. and also training to ensure that you're generating data that's reliable and valid. Mm-hmm. And within the clinical trial context, there are numerous factors, um, including feasibility within the parameters of a specific trial design, the mm-hmm. select validation of a digital health technology tool itself, right. adequate training, you know, for both the site as well as the patients in order to use the tools correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also considerations related to ensuring participants' safety and privacy, as well as adherence, you know, right. and, and data analysis considerations on the back end, because mm-hmm. as we're moving toward wanting to collect more, you know, there's increased volume of data with continuous data capture. You have remote sensors, stationary sensors, all these things you know, they're wonderful and all, but then you have gobs of data on the back end. What do you do with it? You know, what do you do with data? How do you aggregate it in a meaningful way? Mm -hmm. So you can translate those numbers that those, you know, um, those zeros and ones (laughs) into something that is really measuring what you're saying it's supposed to measure and interpretable, right? Mm -hmm. So Ultimately, you know, the scientific landscape is, is definitely changing and there are increasing opportunities for the use of digital health technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this goes beyond just clinical trial implementation. You can measure activity, you can measure ambulation, you can measure vital signs, you can measure locations mm-hmm. of people with geodata. You know, there, there are tons and tons of opportunities to gather meaningful data but you know, it just has to be carefully considered mm-hmm. um, within the context of use, for sure. Right. Absolutely. No, that was that was you know the way that you laid all of that out in terms of the opportunities as well as the areas of consideration. I think is really helpful. Um, I definitely kind of want to drill a little bit deeper into the clinical t- trial process and kind of some of the components that you were talking about. Um, but before we get into that, would love to learn. Um, kind of from your perspective, how does digital health technology fit kind of within the, uh, you know, broader public health paradigm? I know you kind of touched on it with the opportunities, but would love if you could expand. Yeah, you know, digital health, I mean, it's, or digital health care. I mean, there's so many terms, right, that we're using nowadays. Digital health, health technology, digital health care, you know, that's just a broad multidisciplinary concept, right, that we sort of have to break down depending on the context that we're speaking of it in. 
but broadly, you know, digital health just applies to digital transformation, right? And there's digital transformation in the healthcare field and it, it fits there because, you know, to the extent that we can automate things, to the extent that we can incorporate software and hardware and different services that allow for more efficient processes, more precise data collection. You know, under this umbrella, we have things like, you know, mHealth, right? Mobile health apps. We have electronic health records, which are technically electronic. Electronic medical records, wearable devices that, you know, we're using. Um, and, you know, there are interfaces and advances within telehealth and telemedicine incorporating, you know, remote monitoring devices to allow for diagnostic purposes. You know, you have uh, remote EKGs, you have different ways that um, we're really incorporating digital into the paradigm that allows for increased precision so that we can make very targeted um, decisions, you know, healthcare decisions, pardon me, for, for our patients. And so I think that's where it fits, you know, it fits as a complementary aspect to mm -hmm. our traditional um, clinical evaluations, whether it be in the clinic, diagnostic, or via clinical trials. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't replace traditional mm -hmm. things, right? So, you know, and a lot of times people want the, the new shiny thing, right? Mm -hmm. The next, next thing. And, and you chase newness, but sometimes newness is not necessarily better. Yeah. And so there has to be very thoughtful um, processes in place to evaluate whether it's appropriate to, to measure or to use digital health technology to either replace or complement some other traditional way of evaluation. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that how it's kind of a complementary, but it's not, um, you know, one or the other type of a, of a model. So would love now kind of going, to, lending to your expertise kind of within the clinical trial space, um, would love if you could describe the clinical trial process and how, you know, you currently measure outcomes that are meaningful. And on top of that, you know, what are the key opportunities that digital health technology can play within a clinical trial context? Yeah, you know, I mean, clinical trials, those are, those trials are, are research that's required in order to bring new novel therapeutics to market, right? Mm -hmm. And clinical trials include many different phases um, mm -hmm. with, you know, the first phase through the third phase of the trial dedicated to evaluating the safety and efficacy of an investigational therapy in humans. And, you know, going from phase one to phase three, you just have increasingly um, different amounts of individuals. You know, you might have healthy volunteers in phase one, um, even if it's a, a therapeutic evaluation, um, you would increase the amount of individuals that are used in this experimental paradigm in order to evaluate the safety and efficacy and durability of a treatment in humans. <clears throat> and in terms of the opportunities for um, optimization or uh, implementation of digital health within this process. As I mentioned before, you know, there are so many different ways that digital health technology can afford us new data, new, new ways of looking at functioning and how patients are, are feeling. And, you know, whether it's through an electronic data capture of a questionnaire, Right or right. 
you know, through like a tablet, you know, you, you measure how patients feel through questionnaires, you ask them like, so how are you feeling today? Right. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or tell me how this has changed. And, or you can, you know, use a wearable um, in order to assess functioning as well. You know, whether it be accelerometry, you know, movement, you know, you're trying to understand how much people are scratching at night, or you're trying to understand how well someone who has uh, mobility issues is, is gaining functioning because of an intervention, you can use those types of tools within, within the clinical trial, even room, you know, stationary sensors in a room, you know, if you're trying right. to understand movement and things. But, you know, the, the clinical trial context is right for incorporation of digital health technology. And there are many aspects of that measurement approach that could truly complement um, the clinical outcomes. And in terms of measuring outcomes that are meaningful, you know, for any trial, you, you have to identify from the molecular level, you know, what is the treatment target? What, what is a treatment <clears throat> intended to, to improve? Mm. in a patient, right, within the context of a trial. And when you boil it down to, okay, what is the treatment target? What could potentially improve or remain stable with this treatment? Then that's when you say, okay, what's the target population, right? Mm-hmm. And exactly what aspects, what are meaningful aspects of health that you're really trying to improve? And then from there, you have to determine, well, what concepts are the most meaningful to measure? in order to assess meaningful aspects of health and how they've improved with the treatment. Mm-hmm. And then you get to, okay, well, what do you use to measure right. these concepts, right? So, but, you know, I'd be remiss to say that any of this in terms of meaningfulness, while clinicians and medical professionals focus on medical expertise to help drive a piece of that, you know, a piece of the clinical development program, you right. cannot the absence of a patient, because who better to tell you what is meaningful to change in their lives than them? Now, that doesn't mean that what's meaningful to a patient is measurable within the context of a very limited clinical trial context. I mean, within a year to five years, can you really see certain things change? Or, you know, are there more proximal concepts that may be more impacted by the treatment mm-hmm. than others, you know, being able to crowd out any of the measurement error or noise that could be contributed to other factors other than the, the intervention that you're studying. Um, so all of that has to happen at the very beginning, at the earliest stages, you right. know, be right. able to determine exactly what types of tools am I gonna use mm-hmm. in my trial, yeah. you know? <laughs> How am I going to build out this protocol? Mm-hmm. You know, I have to know what I'm trying to measure first before yeah. I determine what I'm going to use to measure it. Right. So, right. Absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense. And kind of on that note, you know, for you, what are some of the key factors to consider when implementing new tech? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of key factors, which probably are beyond the time that we have today, but <laughs> But, um, you know, there there are a couple of buckets, you know, for determining um, what their pre-steps to implementation, right? So, you know, the first step is determining, okay, what am I trying to measure? Mm-hmm. And then is a digital health tool the most appropriate tool to use 
to mm. measure it, right? Yeah. And there are aspects of validity that are core to evaluate mm. in order to determine whether a digital health technology tool is suitable to yeah. use within any type of study, within the clinical trial, but also within any other types of observational research or experimental design that you're trying to use. And you know, key buckets of validity that have to be explored mm-hmm. are content validity um, that get that um, exactly what concepts are you really trying to measure, you know, the most meaningful outcomes um, that are to be measured and important. Right. Then, you know, there's analytic validity, like is there a trusted algorithm? <laughs> like this device. Yeah. Even though it says it measures steps, is it really measuring steps? <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and how is it measuring steps, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to get down to the device level um, with analytic and device validity and also clinical validity too, you know, right. um, the clinical meaningfulness and making sure that what it measures or predicts is a meaningful clinical, biological, or physical outcome that that should be assessed in in the patient population. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are some key things high level that you need to consider. But then on the implementation side, there is training, you know? So how do you allow for proper training from the site, from um, the research uh, study staff to the patients? You know, how do you ensure that there's proper training so that whatever the tool is, is operate, operated in, in a way that it's intended to, so yeah. that it can generate the valid data. Because for instance, you have a wearable device mm-hmm. supposed to be put on your ankle because you're measuring um, ambulation. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to put it on your wrist, right? right? So if in fact you don't train folks to know where to place a device Mm -hmm. to generate the data that's most reliable, then you can have an issue with data on the back end. Um, And then also when we're thinking about patient access, while digital health technology can allow for broader inclusion in studies, um, Mm -hmm. you know, because patients don't have to come to a specific site all the time, there could be barriers in multinational trials because there are local regulations and things that could impede distribution of certain uh, devices in a timely manner. What's the logistics behind getting these tools and technologies out to everybody? Mm -hmm. Um, Those are things that have to be, have to be considered. And then of course the bottom line, the cost, (laughs) you know, because times cost can be prohibitive to, employing in a meaningful representative manner right. within study. So you just have to, to think about those things up front. Yeah, absolutely. That, you gave us a really good kind of like rule book to, to kind of think about, you know, from the precepts to like what actual execution would look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something that you were t- touching upon a little bit when it comes to the patient piece, you know, when we think about, you know, clinical trial research, kind of the academic and clinical pers- perspective and really the you know, the value from a scientific discovery perspective, right, that a lot of these digital health tools um, can really support, but kind of in your perspective, at the end of the day, how does this 
you know, a lot of the work that's being done, how does that ultimately translate into real life benefit, you know, for the patient? What does that yeah. mean for you? Yeah, to the extent that you are being mindful of measuring the right thing, you yeah. know, measuring what's meaningful and getting that early input from patients on what aspects of health are meaningful to, to improve in their lives because of their condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you incorporate that and take that to evaluate which tools are best to, to measure those things. And then making sure that the technical aspects of the measurement are, are on point. You know, you yeah. have to make sure you have the validity so that, you know, when you're, when a patient is wearing this wearable and they trust that you're really measuring their movement, they don't hear afterwards that, oh, actually something happened or, you know, actually yeah. this didn't. And, and ac- data accuracy is critical to advancing the science, to advancing the medical product development that ultimately will lead to advanced therapeutics that will help patients improve their their health, daily life, their functioning. So that's the the tie, you know, between the science and the real world to the extent that you are diligent at the very beginning to making sure that you're measuring the right thing, measuring it in the right way, that the data that's going to be generated through something is actually valid data, then that adds to the body of of research that will ultimately lead to the betterment of of patients themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, That is incredible. And I know that we have just a few more minutes left. So I would love um, to kind of close us off as you could tell us, you know, what is, um, whether that is advice that you have gotten or advice that you would like to share, what advice do you have for folks that are, you know, interested in the clinical trial space or just something that's kind of helped your career. Um, I would love if you could kind of share some of that with us. Yeah. Um, what's helped me is, is not being afraid, you know, don't be afraid to, to really try out new areas, to be able to explore, um, expanded places beyond your current expertise. Um, cause sometimes you can, you can get stuck in, and this is a very innovative, place, you know, clinical trials and medical product development, it's fast paced, it's dynamic. Mm -hmm. Um, And the key is to to get some foundational skills, you know, so for me, with my journey, as I mentioned, developmental science and methodology, while I started off, you know, in more of the childhood um, psychology space and development space, I was able to take those core skills and, and impart that within a different, totally different direction, you know, so now um, I am in rare disease drug development. So there's still a lot of pediatric um, drug development, Mm -hmm. which is close to my heart. Um, But I I would say that that's the biggest advice that, that I would give and that I've been given is, Mm -hmm. you know, be, be courageous to, to expand your purview so that you're able to see the possibilities of, you know, just adding to, to the field and in innovative ways. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think, um, just the idea of just being able to be curious and kind of just be, you know, able to adapt and and explore, I think is a great lesson to live by. So really appreciate it. Um, well, I just wanted to thank you so much for, for your time and really just kind of sharing not only the work that you've been doing, but just providing a lot of insight into, you know, the clinical trial space and kind of, you know, we always hear about digital health transformation when it comes to patient care and, 
you know, that type of world, but it's so nice that we're kind of able to have a spotlight shined on some of the other areas like clinical trial research that's also being impacted um, by the use of technology as well. So really, really grateful for you um, kind of spending the time today to kind of walk us through all of that. Yes, great. I'm, I'm just happy to be here. I'm glad that I was able to contribute. A super conversation with Nina and Ebony there. If you wish to connect with either Nina or Ebony, you can do so via LinkedIn. That information is in this episode's description. For more information about HitLab and our programs like Breakthrough One and the Women's Health Tech Initiative, please visit www.hitlab.org and do engage with us on all the socials, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for our handle at HitLabNYC. This podcast is available on Anchor.fm, Spotify, and all the good places you get your podcasts. Our next Women's Health Tech Wednesday episode will see Nina speaking with Mandy Mason, Global Solution Strategy Lead at Microsoft. So subscribe and hit that notification bell if you want to be alerted when that episode drops next week. On behalf of the entire team at HitLab, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, we wish you a digitally healthy day.